Hey, show them what your name is. Do you have a man who you came with? Mm -hmm. Ready. We ready. Oh, Welcome hey. back, y'all. We're getting podcast where we keep one foot in the academy and one foot in the streets. We back, baby. We back and we back and we back. Um, yes, we back here at it again. Another episode, <laughs> part two in talking our sexuality about, series, talking about sex. Talking about it was another song. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? That was the song we were like. Uh, it's like Romeo and Juliet. Juliet. Hot sex on the <laughs> platter. <laughs> yes. About to get you something you would never Other ways children learn about sex. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to. What was the Jay Z song? Um, give me that funk, that sweet, that nasty, and that gushy stuff. Peaches and cream, peaches and cream. That came out of high school. And I was like, why do they call it peaches and cream? I did not know. <laughs> oh, doing it and doing it and doing and it. Well. That video made me very uncomfortable as a fourth grader. I remember that. <laughs> why was you watching that video? in the fourth grade? <laughs> because it was popular. Why not watch it? I don't remember I, the video at all. I also remember, you know, left eye with her condom on her eye. Mm. And I'd be like, you know, condom, I think that's like something sex related. Is that's not okay, you know, and thinking not not okay, but thinking like, oh, there's something with that as a child. I remember that like first, second grade, another one when waterfalls came out they were like oh. three little words took him to i'm totally his final rest of place, rest in place. You know, i thought i thought that the three-letter word was sex i didn't it's know not. that it was hiv <laughs> <For real? laughs> what is it not hiv this whole time i thought it was sex no it's hiv yeah wow learn something new every day this whole time I was thinking it was sex. <laughs> yeah, it was HIV. Three love oh, his Um, you you know what song was really this song did teach me a lot about sex, unfortunately. You don't know now. Uh-uh. That run the <laughs> Trina's part taught me so much about women, bro. Like I was like, I didn't really? know. I don't remember her part like that. Six best friends, and you don't know now. Uh uh. What was her part? Um, I don't remember her part. Uh uh. Um, that have been places I've been. That have spent the grains that I spent. Yeah, but that's the chorus. You know, five or six best friends. Best friends you know uh uh. Um, do all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. You know that I like it rough. Ain't gonna stop till get enough. Enough. And you, yeah. That, you that, know, that, actually. For me, it was, I want to lick, 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 lick you, you from your me. head to your toes. And I want to move from the bed, down to the dance, to the floor. And I want to, you make so good, I don't want to leave. But I got to let, 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 no, no, what you meant to see. Oh, this was a big one for me, for me too. Take, take me off. Show me what you got. Because I don't want no one minute, man. That was, no, let me tell you why that was so big in high school. Because... <laughs> a lot again, a lot of us ain't know what we was doing, ain't know what we was talking about. But this idea of like a one minute man was so like, oh, when we have sex, we gotta make sure we're having sex for as long as possible. But she's gonna tell all our friends that we was one minute man. We gotta make sure we're in there like 15, 20, 30. I can have sex for 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, all night long without coming. And it's like, that's not how sex works. <laughs> I thought that that was how sex worked because so many songs have been about like being all night long and right. like that is I don't know who's doing it all night long but that is but it depends on what you're doing because you can be doing foreplay you can be that's doing right play. true you got but it's just like all night long it's just like all night long women's don't like vagina no, maybe it's me maybe it's an unpopular opinion but I'm doing yeah, I need to go to work. I need to go to school. We ain't <laughs> vacation time, honeys. Vacation, okay, maybe. But yeah, yeah, you're right though. Yeah. And, and tip it, and maybe y'all could, you know, well, maybe y'all could respond to this, but women's vaginal areas get like dry after a while, and and you can't just continue to like 
down or whatever or yeah. doing it so that's the thing mm-hmm. same like, area for a long it hurts it gets sore all that absolutely but mm-hmm. also it's like the question is what type of sex are we talking about that's what type sex yeah, like, sure. if you're talking about all night right. long it's a whole lot of things you can be doing for many 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 hours um <laughs> that you know won't be painful so all of this is to say we've learned about sex through music, through all kinds of different channels. There's no one way that people seem to all collectively learn about sex. And so that's what we started off with our last episode. So we already kind of did our Off the Georgia Dome with our first um, part one of this. And so we're kind of just going to get straight into the conversation this time. Where we left last time was um, all of our different takeout boxes. Um, If you recall, John mentioned his daughter. So John of the three of us is the only one with a child, with a seat currently, which means we know that he has been um, engaged in the act before. (laughs) (laughs) For for Jack and I, I suppose, we don't know. It was was just that time. It was just that one time. It was that one time. It was that one time. Oh, no. We don't know how it happened. So now that John has procreated, um, he's now thinking about how he's going to actually teach his daughter about sex. And so because of that, we're going to show this little video that I brought up at the in the last episode, um, where this was a video shown to, I think, a kindergarten or a first grade class um, about sex. And so, John, as you're watching this, and we're going to do, this is going to be a reaction video. So I'm going to share my screen, and we are going to... Um, <laughs> watch this video together john can you make sure that like how it's recording um you can see all of our profile you can see all of our um, profiles pictures and so um as we're watching this john you considered would you want your daughter to watch this video in her class and jackie and i we can think about our future children so here we go help kids learn that their bodies are private Oh, wait, let me just make sure I share this with my uh, video optimized. Uh, oh, wait, no, I can't optimize the video clip. That's fine. And here we go. Um, make, make it, make, yeah, make it full screen. And here we go. Uh-oh, it's on mute. Hold on. We can, you know, delete all this out. <laughs> let me just unmute the site. <laughs> There we go. Okay. Pass it, Squeaks. Whoa, watch it. You almost hit me in the pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny, you two? He said pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> Do you notice that when you say pee-pee, you giggle, but when you say penis, you say it in a serious voice? I never noticed that before. Some children and adults feel uncomfortable when they talk about their private parts, so they make up cute or funny names for them. What's one for a girl's private parts? Vajayjay! (laughs) (laughs) But what does Scoops mean when he says vajayjay? He means vulva. That's right, Kayla. It's important to use the proper words for our private parts. Why? Because our private parts are just as amazing as our hearts, lungs, brains, or any other of our amazing body parts. But our hearts pump blood, our lungs breathe, and our brains think. All our private parts do is pee! That's not entirely true, Scoops. It is true that a person pees or urinates through a hole called the urethra in the penis. Does everyone have a urethra? They do. It can be harder to see, but girls have a tiny hole in the front of the vulva where urine comes out from their urethra. Urination is actually very important. It helps us get rid of waste, stuff our body doesn't need. Hey, how come my penis gets big sometimes and points up in the air? That's called an erection. Sometimes I touch my penis because it feels good. Sometimes when I'm in my bath or when mom puts me to bed, I like to touch my vulva too. You have a clitoris there, Kayla, that probably feels good to touch the same way Keith's penis feels good when he touches it. But have you ever noticed that older kids and grown-ups don't touch their private parts in public? Hmm, they don't? That's right, Keith. It's okay to touch yourself and see how different body parts feel, but it's best to only do it in private. Well, if private 
parts are so special, why do you cover them up? Because they are private, silly. That's right, Kayla. Because they are private. Hey, Squeaks, pass it. Wait. Okay, I'm ready. All right, friends. That so actually wasn't bad. Yeah. That you what I was expecting. <clears throat> it wasn't bad. The world's most big. What do you think? John, you being the one with the child, which, um, how do you feel about that being shown to your daughter? I mean, depending on the age, but yeah, I, di I didn't really see much. I didn't see anything wrong with it. I think, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't, there was nothing there I wouldn't want her at some point to see. Maybe it depends on the age, but at some point I will. I would want her to know about everything that they talked about. I did think homeboy came out of left field talking about sometimes my penis gets big. Like they were talking <laughs> yeah, about peeing. <laughs> they were talking about peeing. And then he was like, well, sometimes. sometimes I thought that that was an odd transition. Stands up straight. <laughs> and then he said, like, some, sometimes I enjoy touching it. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's real. <laughs> it's, it is. I'll just, I just, it, I mean, I guess kids be saying, that's why they have that show. Kids say the darndest things and we'll talk about the host i guess but yeah, yeah you know kids yeah it was cool with me i was cool kids with maybe just saying stuff i guess <clears throat> well then so let me just it was to first graders and so what what grade is your daughter in uh she's pre-k she's pre-k in august so in like a few years like you would be totally fine with her teacher showing her that video oh <laughs> Without like letting you all you know or anything. Oh no no you you definitely got to let me know for sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe some parts of the video, not all parts. At at in first grade, yeah. I think <clears throat> I think in general, this is you know speaking from the perspective of like having been in the classroom as a teacher. I think that there are a lot of things that <clears throat> teachers like automatically become responsible for just because they are in front of kids all the time. But when I think about like the training and stuff, like a lot of that, you just like pick up and say like this worked, so I'll try it again. This other thing didn't work, so I won't try it again. I think as a parent, you don't know where the teacher falls on the spectrum. Like you don't know what they're gonna say as it relates to that video. <clears throat> um, you don't know if they've been trained. Like those are all questions that I would want to have answered, not just as a teacher, just like if anyone is gonna have that conversation with my kid, like I would want to be comfortable with what is being said. Right. For, for all I know, they could be like, everything in the video is wrong. Just touch yourself whenever you want. Like if you're out in public and I'm like, but you know, you just gotta make sure that people are gonna say things that you would that you would reinforce at at home as parents. Oh, and I was gonna say you could tell the video is very sex positive because mm -hmm. it talked about it said that you can touch yourself when you're in private, and that actually goes against what a lot of us may have been taught when we were growing up, which was you're not supposed to touch yourself or you shouldn't mm -hmm. masturbate or if you do get excited. You know that's you know that's not a good thing or control your urges and they was like yeah you can do it in private but don't do it in you know in public you know we as children all grew up on a certain show the cosby show um <laughs> and i'm you know our last episode i mentioned like learn about sex because mr and mr cosby they would go off and they you know this the scene with clothes and you know characters we learn a lot through characters and then we have to separate the characters from the actors so with that a certain gentleman was released from jail last week mm. um oh. off of some sexually deviant behavior <laughs> let's talk about it how do we feel what do we think I feel like there might be some strong opinions amongst us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this is yeah, this is where it gets it can get murky. I'm sorry, yeah. you was about to say something. No, I'm you know I I have I have seen the the vast array 
or strong opinions on um on both sides like the he's totally innocent and he should never been in jail to the he's totally guilty he should be under the jail Mm -hmm. um, to stuff in between and I have managed to sidestep that conversation for the whole time until now I was gonna say here we go here we go you got to come with it now Academician, let us hear your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he drugged women and had sexual contact with them. That to me is not consent. That to me is an admission of guilt. So that's where I stand. Okay. So should he be in the big house or should he be in his own house? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's like a whole different, like, like this is a whole different conversation that we should have at some point but you know as someone who is learning what it means to adopt like an abolitionist frame I have to grapple with not wanting anyone to be in jail like what does that mean for someone to be held accountable other than them being put in a cage um what does that mean to like restore relationship or restore people to not practicing pathological behaviors without them being in a cage. So those are those are my thoughts. Um, what does that mean for him in particular? Should he be in the big house versus his own house? I don't know whose house he should be in. He shouldn't be in the house of anyone that will provide him with drugs to drug someone, nor should he be in the presence of people who he could potentially drug. At a bare minimum. <laughs> At a bare, bare minimum. All right. So if you say MBC, I am I I'm, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm gonna leave I'ma leave <laughs> I'm gonna leave the Zoom chat. <laughs> Y'all almost left me when when I talked about future and Kanye West and I put that <laughs> clip up in, <laughs> on the social media page. <laughs> and Jackie was like, I'm about to flip these tables over. If he say nobody is his name, one more time. <laughs> Dirty Sprite 3 mixtape dropping soon. Oh, Lord. <laughs> no, um, so first of all, I, I, I learned from um, the good. I actually want to talk more about Felicia Rashad uh, mm. than, than, than Bill Cosby in this case. Um but I, I definitely learned from her in that it is very important to start off by saying I do sympathize with any person who experiences sexual trauma under any circumstances that is not okay anybody who who experiences any type of sexual trauma anything along that spectrum uh if they have been the victim of that by all means I I believe that anybody who's been a victim of that, the person who perpetuated that should be punished to the fullest extent of the law, mm. period. No, no, no exceptions with that. I believe that. Um, with that being said, with Bill Cosby, okay. go, going back to what you said about, and, 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 and one thing I wanted to talk about, and I don't want to make this too long, uh, if you haven't seen Ebony K. Williams' breakdown of of, of the case, she did that. a phenomenal job. Ebony K. Williams is a former attorney, I think former okay, former former attorney, University of North Carolina Law. Um, just a, a really, really, really bright uh, woman, first black woman on Real Housewives in New York, just super, super bright. Oh, Lord. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, but she, she, she's, she's kind of like Angela Rye, but, mm-hmm. but a different type of Angela Rye. I was gonna say, is she more Phaedra from Atlanta? No, 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 okay. no. She, she's on Real Housewives in New York, but you, mm-hmm. when she first got on, I was like, wow, she's way too smart for that. I, I felt mm-hmm. that. I'm like, she's way too smart for that. But mm-hmm. so she. Uh, Imagine like Angela Rye on like a Real Housewives, and you'll be like, okay. "Why yeah, 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 yeah." Super, super bright sister. Um, but anyway, her breakdown of it was just was was really good and helped me. Can you give us like a thirty second? Yeah, synopsis? yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so basically, what she said synopsis was he was tried in two thousand five. Don't quote me about everything about this, mm-hmm. but two thousand five, six, whatever the details of it. He was tried. They didn't have enough evidence to convict him as a criminal, but mm-hmm. they had enough evidence to convict him. Or they said if he 
if he goes to the stand and answers questions, we could possibly get a conviction in a civil case. So you have criminal mm -hmm. cases and you have civil cases. Mm -hmm. but in a civil case is a lot easier to win because the person is, is, you know, eventually they'll have to like do a payout, like a $3 million payout mm -hmm. or something like that. So when he said what he said, which is what you said, Jackie, in 2006, with, mm -hmm. um, um, I did use quaaludes and drugs mm -hmm. when having sex with women, he admitted that, right? But yeah. he admitted that under the, under the pretense that they would not criminally charge him. So they said you will not move forward with a criminal charge if you take the stand in this civil case. He, mm -hmm. he took the stand. He said what he said. They found him guilty and he paid. He had to pay out three million dollars. Mm -hmm. So that was it. No more. Now in 2015 or 16, when they retried him, there was a new district attorney. The district attorney basically said, I don't care what they told you back then. Right. We are going to try you as a criminal in, in a criminal case. And wow. they're saying, well, you can't do that because he had already, they had already made an agreement that he would not mm -hmm. be tried. That's why he said what he said. Mm -hmm. we tried him, the DA said, I don't, the DA of Pennsylvania said, I don't care. They tried him. He was found guilty, sentenced to two to two or three to 10 years. The Supreme Court basically said- Of the United States? He is, huh? Of the United the States? Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Supreme Court of Pennsylvania says, I don't care how guilty he is, you mm -hmm. cannot try, you cannot use what this man said if you agree that you would not try him as a criminal in this case. You mm -hmm. can use what he said in a civil case in a future criminal case just because you changed DAs. You just mm -hmm. can't do that, right? I, it, it, it's, 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 it's unethical. And so mm -hmm. that's why he was let go because, and that's why they can't try him as a criminal in that particular case, because they already agreed back in 2006 that they would not try him as a criminal and they settled in a civil case. So that's, that's why, that, that's what she explained in that. Um, two things, one, there, there was one thing that Ebony K. Williams said that I looked up and I could not find. If somebody else could find it, feel free to, you know, email streetacademypodcast at gmail.com or, you know, DM us. Bill Cosby never admitted that he drugged women without their consent. Mm. I looked at the deposition and, and I looked at pieces of it and the, the parts where he talks about that. He says he did use quaaludes with women in mm -hmm. order for them both to lower their inhibitions so that mm -hmm. they could engage in sex. That's just like if two people smoking weed, we know we're gonna have sex or drinking alcohol, we know we're gonna have sex. We just wanna be looser, so we both decide to do it and then engage in sex. Mm -hmm. So that's how I understood what he said. I took it, she took it, we both was loose in 15, 20 minutes and we went and had sex. He never actually said that I snuck it in her drink or I did it without their permission. Ebony K. Williams said that he admitted to doing it without their permission. I never saw that. And I looked through several different versions of the, um, the transcript and I never saw where he said he did it without their permission, but he did admit to using them when getting ready to have sex. Um, so that was the first thing. Second thing, everybody came down on Felicia Rashad about you know, what she said, a miscarriage of justice. And I felt like they, they, people came down on her implication as opposed to what she actually said. Because what she actually said was what the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court and, and Ebony K. Williams agreed. It was a miscarriage of justice. What they did to him was wrong. He was not supposed to say he was not going to be tried and then be tried. You lied to this man. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So that is a miscarriage of justice. Now, I don't think that's what she implied. I think what she was implying was that he was completely innocent of the actual charges mm -hmm. and still up for, you know what I'm saying, for determination as for each person to decide. You know what I'm saying? So that that was the thing with Felicia Rashad that I think was, 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 was wrong. Um, to conclude and bring it back to what we're talking about, this notion of sexual deviance, it gets murky. And this is what Ebony K. Williams was saying in that breakdown. It gets murky because um, what is the difference between sexual deviance and, sex and non-traditional sexual activities? 
there are people who engage in all kinds of different types of sex, peeing on you, you know, cutting, cutting and seeing blood and getting off of, you know, blood or whatever. And at the end of the day, if you consent to it, it's cool. If you consent to taking quaaludes with somebody and having sex, then it's cool. The difference is when you do it without somebody's permission or without them fully knowing. And then what if they what what if they fully know what they're doing, but then while they're taking it, they like, oh, I changed my mind. But it's it 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 gets really, really, really a lot of gray areas when you're talking about introducing substances and all that other kind of stuff and sexual deviance versus non-traditional sexual activities and all of that. So anyway. I mean, I think you're, I think you're, you're onto something with, in, in terms of like consent, because I, I would say that the line between uh, sexual deviance and like non-traditional sexual activity is consent. Like yeah. if you agree to do something, then hey, if you want to, <laughs> I just flash back to, um, to Huey from the Boondogs, who, who was like, when I see pee, I move. <laughs> <laughs> so that's definitely me I don't want anyone peeing on me but you know if that's what you enjoy then that's what you enjoy if you consent to somebody peeing on you then that's your business but you know outside of that if you don't want someone to pee on you and you say don't pee on me then you shouldn't be peeing on you shouldn't be peeing on people if they don't consent to it right um I do think that the point about the substances is well taken though because depending on the substance you take like you might respond in a certain way like (laughs) I have a a friend who um well two friends and one smokes all the time the other one doesn't and so one day he was out there I think he might have had like an edible or whatever it might have been but the other friend was like all right well I'm I'm gonna you know do this with you not necessarily on like a sexual tip, just like we're here, we have this weed, we're going to go ahead and do it. And so her response to it, like once it actually got in her system, was she started to like panic and like, she was like, I'm gonna die. Like, and I've heard different people have that response um, to weed or to, you like to other drugs or whatever, just like, I don't know what's going on. I'm panicking. Like I need to go to the hospital, like whatever it might be. And so it does get super murky because if, if y'all are in like a clear lucid state of mind, and then you do something to alter your, your thinking as far as like a, a substance, then consent is really murky because in that altered state you might be like no I don't consent or yes I do consent and I don't know if like I don't know it, it can't it has the potential to get really murky let me tell you the, the consent is such an interesting concept I feel like it's one of those things that people need to find what's the it's like a minimum right mm-hmm. it's just like What's, it's just like how people, I feel like growing up in the church, people say, well, what's the least I can do to, or it's like, what's the max I can do to not be considered sinful or whatever. So it's just like, you're not really trying to like, it's like, it's not so much, it's like, what's the least I can do to still be able to do this thing? I feel like there's a flip to say like, what is an experience that is good and right and true or something? But it's just like, well, what's the, let me at least get consent for this thing. And, and I say that because I'm just like, I don't want a situation where I have to like question consent so much. It's like, if, if consent, if I'm concerned about the person's consent in a moment, then I want to go ahead and release that. Like, I don't want that to be such a thin line. If it's gray, then it's black or it's mm. white. You know, it's like, it's done. Like the moment that that's in question, because it, this goes back to what our definition of sex is or could be. It's just like, is it supposed to be this really like pleasurable experience? And in the moment where it becomes like, even in question for somebody, it's like, this, this now takes me out of the pleasure zone. Um, and I don't want to really have nothing to do with it, but it's just like, and the reason I'm like so frustrated by this is because I don't remember, I haven't done all the research, but like when you get into consent, a lot of it goes back to the age of consent for folks because folks just want to have sex with children. And that pisses me off. And so when you look at the United States, I just pulled it up and I should have done this research before, but it's incredible. It's just so problematic the age of consent do you know what the lowest age of consent is in the united states what's that 
You said, oh, wait, Jackie, we can't hear you. What'd you say? No, it's not, but we still can't hear you. What? It's not 14. Okay, good. Yeah. Try again. Is it lower than 14? Is lower it 12? Is it no, 12? It's lower than 12. Is it what? 9? It's 11. Wow. It's South Carolina. That Wait, tracks. What? That tracks. <laughs> That's the age of consent? I'm always, they have these three different ways of talking about it, but it's like the young partner is deemed able to consent to having sex with the older one as long as their age different does not exceed a specified amount. And that is Ooh. the age of 11 in South Carolina. Really? And so it's like 11 and maybe 12 or 11 and maybe 13. The I, I don't even, I'm not sure. I, I need to look at this into more depth, but either way, mm -hmm. if it's not 11, then the other one would be like 13 or 14 because mm -hmm. it looks like there's three different categories. But what that just shows me is that it's like people want, it, there goes back to this question of sexual deviance. So it's just like, well, sexual deviance, is it just when someone consents or when someone doesn't? And so then it's like, well, what is the bare minimum consent that a person needs to give versus like, what's the maximum consent that a person should be able to give in order to engage in some sexual thing? I'm interested in maximum consent and not minimum consent, mm -hmm. because if the minimum consent is, well, they were at least kind of awake uh, and they kind of agreed to do it before they completely became, you know, their faculties were compromised. So mm -hmm. that's very, very minimum. If the maximum for me, what's the maximum would be like, they're, they are alert. <laughs> They are engaged in the experience along with me and along the way we are in agreement. There's communication. <laughs> and I know that we are at a minimum at the same level of understanding of what is happening right now. Like yeah. that feels like I, I'm really, the minimum is a problem. And when I think about like age is an issue, people have an issue when it comes to like when the person consents, whether or not it was like in the beginning, before drugs, after drugs. And it's just like, if in the moment you can't look at that person's eyes and they can't, and y'all can't communicate, that's for me, that is like, that's over at that point. <laughs> and then also if the communication in itself is restricted in some way, whether it's psychologically or like physically, where maybe the person's bound because you all were engaged in something. Now this person's bound and they can't really communicate and tell you what's going on or psychologically where there's a power dynamic where they're not going to be, they're not, they don't feel the freedom to be able to communicate that this isn't okay because they feel like there might be, they might have it might threaten their livelihood or whatever. And that comes to when there's like power dynamics, when there's a superior um, and now a person has engaged in it um, in engaged in a sexual act or something. And now they don't feel like they can back out of it or they feel like there will be some kind of violence put upon them if they pull out. It's like all of those different things. And so I'm like, I'm just, I'm like, we, I mean, I know there's a thing when it comes to adults not knowing and not giving consent. And that is very important. And I'm also like really, the one that bothers me the most is how much we don't protect children against this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, how like across the board, the United States legally is like, if you're 11, 12, 13, nah, 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 you can kind of, you can kind of mess with people. That's such mm -hmm. a problem. Anyway. We ended one episode talking about Bell Hooks. Now Bell Hooks is a, she's a, you know, PhD scholar, a philosopher talks about race and gender and the liberation of black people and she's pro-black and all this other kind of and just just a beautiful uh sister and if i recall correctly uh she also talks about her having sexual sexual experiences with her students right um now she teaches college, right? So these students are not underage. Um, so legally, there's really nothing wrong with it. Now it was probably something wrong with it in terms of her job, um, but in the eyes of the law, it was consent. But is it still sexual deviance, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, you talked about earlier, uh, Amber, not just about the age dynamic, but a power dynamic. And although it's not, um, against the law for her to be 30, 40 years old, having sex with a 20 year old student, is it still deviant mm -hmm. because she's the professor, he's the student and they're adults. But, you know, what if he felt like, I can't say no, is she going to take this out on my grade, you know, kind of feel, would we put her in the same category as 
maybe maybe a Bill Cosby, right? Um, because that was one of the things people talked about with Bill Cosby was because he was so powerful, because he had all of this, you know, money and knew all these people and he was America's dad. For some of these women who did know what they were doing, they still said they felt like they couldn't really say anything to him because they would lose their job or they would be blackballed in the industry and that sort of thing. So that was another part of the conversation around Bill Cosby. But for though, but for Bill Hooks, we don't really hear that. And I think uh, either Jackie or, or Amber, you mentioned, sometimes the way in which these conversations are couched um, and the way in which we talk about them Bill Hooks is able to intellectualize it. She's mm -hmm. able to make it sound so scientific, so historical, gender-free, whatever. What's up? Am I? I'm reading. I'm reading the article. Oh, oh, oh! You're reading the article on it. Okay. Yeah, and I, I must give you all the words that she's using. And granted, I have not you. I have never read this before, and I haven't read the whole thing. Yeah. So, do y'all want to hear this excerpt? Yes, yeah. please. Okay. Um. So she says. Um. A college environment should strengthen a student's... Okay, let me give you what the, the name of this article is for those who want to read it. Um, these, are to write this down. these are excerpts from an article by feminist author, Bell Hooks, Passionate Pedagogy, Erotic Student Slash Faculty Relationships in Z Magazine, March 1996. Cool. Yeah, so she says, a college environment should strengthen a student's ability to make responsible, mature decisions and choices. Those faculty members who become involved in romantic relationships with a student, um, whether they initiated it or responded to an overture by the student, um, who are not exploitative or dominating will nurture this maturation process. So let me say it again. Those faculty members who become involved in romantic relationships with a student who are not exploitative or dominating will nurture this maturation process. In my teaching career, I have had a relationship with one student. Although he was a student in my class, I did not approach him during the time that he studied with me because I did not want to bring that dynamic into the classroom. He was not an exceptional student in my class. <laughs> when the course ended, we became intimate. From the start, we had conflicts about power. Um, the relationship did not work yet, um, work yet we became friends. And she said some more stuff. I can't read it all. But then she said, student devotion to a teacher can easily be a context where erotic longings emerge. Passionate pedagogy in any setting is likely to spark erotic energy. The erotic energy can be used in constructive ways, both in individual relationships and in the classroom setting. Just as it is important that we be vigilant in challenging abuses of power, wherein the erotic becomes a terrain of exploitation, it is equally important to recognize that space where erotic interaction is enabling and positively transforming. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Desire in the context of relations where hierarchy and unequal power separate individuals is always potentially disruptive and simultaneously potentially transformative. Yeah, yeah. Banning, okay, banning relations between faculty and students would create a climate of silence and taboo that would only intensify the dynamics of coercion and exploitation. The moment power differences are, are articulated in a dialogue where erotic desire surfaces, a space is created where choice is possible, where accountability can be clearly assessed. That's a very, I need to read that whole article. That is very interesting. I mean, but it's but it's but it's Bill Hooks, PhD scholar, super intelligent black woman, pro black, powerful. What she, I mean, she makes it sound so great, but she's basically saying like, yeah, it's so, in, particularly in the classroom. But if you take that and apply that to other sites of power, other sites, other occupational sites, i.e acting, i.e. industry, you know, business, industry, tech. People was talking about um, your boy Bill Gates and stuff, yeah. stuff he was doing and right. he was so powerful and he was trying to holler at some of the interns or whatever. Mm -hmm. But Bell Hooks is saying right there, like that could really be used as, as a way to, you know, justify. Be justify and get some of these people off with some of these accusations because so let's give a, granted we have a huge caveat that we have not thoroughly read this and so if you are a bell hook scholar 
and you want to come for our throats, oh, please. <laughs> please don't. we're just saying we we're just like literally the same way that we did with that video earlier. We're just taking a piece of it. It's decontextualized. We didn't read any work before or after it. Um, and so just to, to do like the academic justice part of it, we're just like picking a piece of it and we haven't really seen the whole thing. And yet we could see how someone could take that and just run with it and it's kind of giving me some age ain't nothing but a number vibes vibes, because it's couched in this beautiful uh like this thing that followers will appreciate so for r kelly his his um his uh, pedophilia and, and passion, his pedophilic passions were couched in, you know, nice melodies, um, written rhythms and beats that, could, that were there and yet people couldn't deny it or people would not deny it because of his skill and his, his musical ability. And so in this instance, if we wanted to say that Bill Hooks was doing the same thing, she's couching it in her intellectualism. And that's the same that happens with other people who are celebrities or people people who people love they a, a lot of times their deviance is within their own artwork and so people can't like look at it and say yo this is hella problematic because oh. they love and appreciate this other piece which is to say like did bill cosby at any point give us a clue that he actually used to always do this <laughs> um you know that he, that he drugged women was there well, go i just no i just wanted to jump in on that really quickly but i do remember the clip of his uh, Spanish fly, like the Spanish fly clip making its rounds. And that was when he was doing stand up piece and he was talking about slipping Spanish fly, a, a drug in women's drinks. Mm. And, know you know, that. this was like in the seventies or whatever. So it was, you know, funny, I guess, but mm. yeah. So he, he definitely, maybe not on the Cosby show, but definitely his stand up. Come on right there train. Let me ride it choo choo. Like that was a big we used to play that song in elementary school at the elementary school dances. You know what I'm saying? Is that what you're talking about, Amber? I didn't think that was I'm sorry. At the age I didn't think that was about I'm sorry, um, like I'm today years old to realize that that was a sexual song. Yeah, Yeah, if if I'm not mistaken, but I'm gonna have to look up the lyrics. I thought they were talking about. I thought they were talking. Same here. If I'm, I mean, let me let me look it up and find out. But if I'm not mistaken, and not to say that for people who you know are again, we're talking about like what does it mean to be sex positive? So if you're a person who is into multiple partners, perhaps doing a train is not a problem. It's just something. It's another type of you know sexual exploration, and that's fine too. And and yet we also hear many other situations where a train is a completely violent act. Yeah, I'm, I, I oh. just want to get up and make sure that it is. <laughs> What'd you find, Jackie? Just come on down the train. We're gonna we're gonna rock. Oh Lord, just jump aboard, baby. So get your next of kin, your sister, and your friend. Pack it up now. Well, okay, we still can we talk about a fun train? I'm still not. <laughs> You just really like the song. <laughs> no, I'm I want I want to take you home with me to be alone with me. Oh, never and mind. I can see, I want and I can see you want to hide it. Come on, just divide it. And oh. please don't knock it until you ride it. So to all of you girls, you know I'm calling your name. Michelle, Michelle Tamika, Tamika, and Tanya want to ride this train. All right, there we go. I send. Ooh, wait a minute, and then and now we're getting into the stuff we was talking about with Bill Cosby. Really? I can smell them tran- tranquil breezes from a mile away. Mm-hmm. Graduated from booze to Alize. Baby, you looking tough to death. Get your weave done right. It's on <laughs> so tight. Now it's on tonight. <laughs> Come on, brother Grant, the way you're reading it. <laughs> Man. I think it's about time for me to holler. Girl, I want a waller in the back of my Impala. (laughs) 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 We was in elementary school singing this song. Of course. (laughs) My teachers is, I'm on ride that train. Let me ride it. Yes. That's crazy. And I remember being in high school and having multiple homegirls who had boyfriends that was in their 20s. Yeah. That was 22, 23. 
Yeah. It was not uncommon for them to be like, oh yeah, my man, he's 22, he coming to pick me up and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of them was having sex with these dudes. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I didn't even, I didn't, it didn't even come to my mind, but yeah, that, that stuff is real. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I, mean, I didn't really put it together. Yeah, I mean, that tracks as far as like my experiences. Like I remember being sexualized at a young age. I remember this one instance that I had, um, me, we, I think we were on like a family vacation or something. And so like me and my dad and like a couple other family members, like we were all staying at different hotels in whatever city we were in. And so they were like, oh yeah, we're gonna go to such and such as like place, like a different hotel with more family. And we walked in and um, there was like this group of white college age-ish boys like down the hall. And I remember one of them asking like, oh, is, is that the hooker or is that the stripper or whatever? And I was like, surely they're not talking about me. I'm like 12, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, yeah, like I was literally on family vacation. And I, I was like, they, they have to be talking about, like, I can't remember who the other family members were. I don't think, I think that I might've been like the only girl in that group. It might've been like my dad and his brothers, like me and my, my dad and my uncles, like we all went, or maybe we went back to like where my family, like I can't remember where we were going or for what reason, but I just remember that instance of being very young and having these men who were significantly older than me ask if I was their sexual entertainment. And so with that, also, we, when we look at the media and we think about what are the popular images of beauty and, of, and who's being sexualized, a lot of them are just way, way younger. So when we think about models, models who are supposed to be representative of like what is beautiful in society or they're put up as that, they're like 14, 16 years old. <laughs> they don't have the fully formed body as like a grown woman. And so mm-hmm. you see these images of, I mean, and this is talking about female models and it's the same with male models as well. I think it's a little bit, it seems to be a little bit different, but I don't want to let, I don't want us to not also pay attention to what also happens to young boys as well, mm-hmm. because that is huge as well. Absolutely. Um, and so like we, I think, you know, our cultures, obsession with youth is definitely a thing where every what beautiful is beauty is equated with youth and so it's not about being an older person that's beautiful so I think that there's also messages about like what is desirable what is sexy and typically older forms in terms of older bodies older minds that's not typically as I've seen it the thing that's put out there is beautiful and so you're not seeing older bodies and so one of those things um I remember people saying that um porn has a lot to do with this too because a lot of times the women are completely like stripped of hair the men are too and so that is you know hairless bodies are what children have um so they were like people need to start in in porn they need to start making sure that people's bodies actually have hair so that it depicts people who are older people who have already like matured because that unfortunately porn is a way that so many people learn about sex and so and so and if men are visualizing and men women and genderless folks are men are um like visualizing what like if they're using porn to visualize sex then if they're seeing that then they're making associations everyone's making associations it's not like we're trying to make an association it's just that you start getting that and so um that's that's a that's a big part of it too um so with that, there, I think there's so much more um, that we could discuss. This is just part two of our sexual series. I feel like we can keep going and going and going. We do want to have a uh, sex expert here to be able to discuss some of our questions related to sex and to begin to get into these things a little bit more. So we do hope that that will probably be a part three or a part four. There will definitely be more to come about this. So with that, what are our takeout boxes from this episode, from part two? What are y'all thinking? Man, free Bill Cosby, but put him somewhere. Something is still weird about it. So I'm (laughs) about free Bill Cosby because the way they did it was injustice. Yes, okay. The way they did it was injustice, but I'm still not okay with what he's been accused of 
and some of the things around sexual misbehavior that it appears that he um even in how even in even in the things that he admitted was definitely you know a level of sexual misbehavior so there there was it was almost justice and injustice still at the same time a little bit you Mm. know what i'm saying um so yeah you know this isn't quite the takeout box but um i was thinking about it earlier when you first brought it up he um initially had a black woman attorney who i thought was just like super smart somebody the sister from howard what was her name um monique presley yes yes super brilliant that sister is brilliant oh man yes bad sister and i remember her being on an interview she might have been being interviewed by mark lamont hill and so, you know, two super smart people together, yes. like they were going. Um, but this was back when she was uh, defending him. And the questions were like, how could you defend him? Um, knowing what he's been accused of as like a black woman, all this kind of stuff. And how she articulated it was, I think to me, like really smart and very convincing. Um, in the same way that you brought up that what happened was like a flaw in how the law is written in the justice system. That's what she essentially said. She was like, here's the legal argument that he's not guilty. And if you feel like he is guilty based on what he said or did or whatever, then the law needs to change. And so the same way that people like argue for civil rights or whatever the case is to change the, like they bring these cases to change the law, like this is also a case that can be thought of as a law changing case. Um, and so I was just thinking about that because I was like, man, she's right. The law needs to change. If he's guilty, he needs to go to jail. <laughs> so that was me, I don't know, 2010, whatever. So. Um, so I really appreciated that perspective that that she brought. Mm. For me, um, and yeah, I don't know if I would call this even a takeout box as much as just like thoughts that are continuing. <laughs> um, one is related to what you just said, Jackie, which is um, recognizing that the law has nothing to do with what is right or wrong. It is just what it's written. Um, and we know that, you know, the law is not necessarily written to protect people or to, um, you know, keep people from harm. It is written for the benefit of the state, basically. And so I look at these things as what benefits the state overall. I don't look to the law for legalism because there's a lot of things that are legal that are completely not right. (laughs) And there's a lot of things that are illegal that seem that, you know, are completely based in a racial history and trying to just criminalize folks. So even if we look at just Shakari um, and the whole issue with, you know, weed and, and it's, well, with her having smoked some weed, it's just like, come on. So one, one group of people can sell it and it'd be fine. And another person smoke it and it's now going to keep her from, or, I mean, we know now that she's going to be able to go, but still it's even the idea of that is just kind of crazy. So I try not to look to the law for any kind of, um, as a moral compass at all. So when I look at a person who is in the system of Mm -hmm. it and who is now a participant in it, um, so it's not so much about what happens to them in that system because it's not designed to tell me anything about uh, justice, whatever justice is in one way. Because so I look at a person like uh, Bill Cosby and it's not about whether he's guilty. It's about what the law says. And I think that's interesting. It's not about whether or not what he did was wrong uh, or it's about whether or not he's guilty of it in the eyes of the state and whether or not he has to then get the consequences of the state. And I think that's a very interesting place for us to be in as we talk about it, you know? So, um, and the reason that's interesting is because when you go back to this question of age of consent, and according to the law, you can have sex or something with an 11-year-old or a 12-year-old, 13-year-old. And as long as they were okay with it, then it might just be considered statutory, you know? And so it's just like, but this wasn't okay, though, you 25, 35, 45-year-old person having, you know, um, 
sexual intercourse with somebody who we would deem a child. So in the in the eyes of the state, it's just like, it's legal. So I can't look at that at all. So it goes back to just what my own personal beliefs are. So when I look at cases like these, it's just, it reminds me that I cannot look to um, <laughs> the law to tell me a lot of things. Um, and so that's one thing that I'm taking away. It's just like, that's the reminder. And the other thing is just, again, how much we've learned from the media about sex and about sexual relationships and about sexual behaviors and how much like we sing these songs and we don't necessarily really listen to them. <clears throat> like going riding that train, um, been singing that forever, never really thought about it. <laughs> and now I'm just like, crap. And to this other song that me and my sister had had um, a moment about um, probably like sometime last year, because I completely ruined it for her. Um, it was this Avant song that was um, the, the name of the song is Don't Say No, Just Say Yes. And so it's like, this is a really? super popular song. Don't I love Avant. No, y'all don't remember that song? I do not remember yeah. that song. I love so Avant though. It's like, this is such a predator song. Are you kidding me? But it's just like all of the, and so it was playing and as she was, we were listening to it, I was just like, oh, this is terrible. And then I completely ruined the moment for her. And so that, that sucked. But it's just like, it's how much these things get played. And it's just like you were saying, John, in those different movies, it's like little pieces are just put in there because this is just so common. And it's just so, it's such a part of like our story right now, you know? So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but but it was the but it was the it was the crawling like it was the, trying to creep it was the trying to creep away like see it's like when ushers be trying to lead a lead a church and they do like this like what is that finger doing that finger's not doing nothing to hide, it's not doing nothing. <laughs> It's, not, it's just to say though like it's like hiding in plain sight that's just like, something's right there and it's just like we're just like in this thing and we just gotta like bring this stuff to light and just talk about it that's what i just feel it's just like we've learned so much we don't even know that this is the these are the things that we believe at all mm -hmm. i just find that so fascinating and interesting and scary in a way but also very empowering because we can look at them squarely that's why we have these moments but we can look at it squarely and say what do we really think about this right that's empowering to me so Absolutely. that's my takeout box i'm sure there's going to be more to come about six six more to come because we still haven't talked we, still, we, we just got into the what did you say john i said more to come <laughs> <laughs> told you from the last episode there's gonna be sexual this is allowing me to be who y'all this is who i am for real i love you inappropriate <laughs> if y'all could see, see the, the memes that i've screenshot in my <laughs> in my be, be whoever you are you know? i knew from the moment you said friends over living single <laughs> that you were so you know <laughs> listen i just no. Yeah, very inappropriate, very sexual innuendos that go through. I'm into it. Constantly. And you know what? We need to have another episode just about sex positivity, period, and the whole sex positivity movement. Yeah. And like all of us being from the church um, and like how we had to manage our own thoughts about uh, sex and all of that. Like there's so much more to talk about. Oh, yeah. And everybody, hey, we want to know your thoughts about all of this. Like, what was your first, um, like, how did you first learn about sex? What do you think about the Bill Cosby whole situation? What do you think about, I don't even, actually, do I want to know what you think about R. Kelly? I don't. So don't even, I don't even, I don't think none of us really, like, if you're not on, this is, this might be one of the ones. The one of the times. Like, this is one of the ones where I, if you are on another side, besides he needs to, I'm not saying he needs to rot in jail because just like Jackie, I don't believe in this whole carceral system. It's highly problematic. I do think he needs to make some kind of recompense. I don't know what it's going to look like, but um, I might he, make an he, for him. He, he needs to stay away from everybody. Everybody, yes. Um, right. Anybody like him needs to stay away from anybody. But please, we want to know your thoughts about all of this, especially with this one. But what? Again, I, I agree with you 1,527%. You'd give me a butt about R. Kelly. However, oh hell no. Nah, however, this is interesting. This is, this is a this is something to think about. Pedophilia 
it is a sickness, yeah. right? It, 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 it is not, not to excuse it in any way. You already know how I feel. It, it's a sickness. It's something that he experienced. It's something that he passed on. And so the same way that, and this is just to ask a question. I'm not, again, I'm, obviously I'm not defending him, but the same way that crack was criminalized, it's just coming off the top of my head. I could be completely wrong, so feel free to come at me. The same way that crack was criminalized and we said this should be a public health issue, the same way that opioids is criminalized and it should be, um, oh yes, 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 I understand. Um, and it should be a public health issue. The same way that other things are, you know, other addictions and other problems, sometimes we, we make it a health issue versus a criminal issue, is this something that we might should even consider with pedophilia? Doesn't mean that you you get off of your crimes and your punishment, you should be punished. But is this something that we should kind of look at in that perspective? I agree with that for sure. I mean, I think that a lot of the- He was wrong, but he was also sick too. Yeah, a lot of the stance of abolitionists, of abolitionists and abolition is that these things that are criminalized should not be crimes. Like they are things that people need help with. Um, it would have been wonderful for someone to intervene with R. Kelly like 20, 30 years ago. Like how many victims would it have, have saved um, at that point? And I think at this point, even though he's in jail or maybe out of jail because of COVID, I, I, you know, I don't know, I don't keep up with him. Ask me if I think about him. I don't, no. but you know, I'm sure that he continues to victimize people, whether that's physically or has some kind of psychological hold on him, on them. Um, but he definitely needs someone um, trained to intervene with him and, you know, offer him some assistance to not continue doing what he has done for such a long time. Um, yeah, I absolutely believe it's a public health issue. I, I absolutely believe that because this is a mental health crisis. And it's the same with white supremacy as well. It is also a public health, mental health issue because it's dealing with the fear of white people. I don't know if y'all, I mean, the fear that white people have in their 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 um, mm -hmm. inability to process their anger and their fear. And so then they end up inflicting violence upon those who they are afraid of. So there, mm -hmm. there's that. Um, and yet our society is not capable at this point of having any kind of actual like effective accountability system. Yeah. So like, even when it comes to what it means to be a criminal and um, in America, like, I guess I would just say like the criminal code of like all of the ways that, you know, <laughs> for something to be criminalized, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, it has nothing to do with whether it's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. So, it's just about what benefits the country benefits the state. The state. and so yeah. that's why pedophilia at this point is not completely criminalized because it th this is also an industry um and it's also so many people who are in power um actually are pedophiles and and they oh, and talk this. about it and yeah. so it's just like it's not quite criminalized um for real it's kind of criminalized but not that's why we see the age of consent is as, as low as it is right. and so for me and it's the same with with uh the crack epidemic and all these other things like what is criminalized is very specific so I wouldn't use that as again it's like I'm not I can't use that as like the measuring stick for real I do feel like it's a public health issue absolutely and it is something that people who have full knowledge of it being both you know something deviant and something illegal uh, that they don't necessarily they're not necessarily going to be held accountable for it because it doesn't really there's really no real consequences for it I mean there are some kind of consequences for it but I, I, I just have to I have to grapple with my thoughts about that too like it's um people people aren't afraid to to have sex with children <laughs> they're not they they're not they're not it's not as covert in some ways i think as 
even like selling drugs. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's like it's like it's bad, but then people still do it. And it, there's so many, just like in the like you just said, John, in the movies, they have these little things about it. Like it's like, you know, she 20, he 20 something, she's like 14, 15. And it's like even with I remember when we were talking about the whole thing with uh Diddy and his first uh m- mother of his first son she was like 16 15 something like that and he was like 22 23 or something like that that happened that's why like it, I, yeah I, I don't know like it's it's I think it is I can't necessarily just label it criminal it's just it's just flat out wrong in the way our society actually like addresses people who are doing things to hurt generations of people if we actually had something to do, like if we actually had a way to address that, and I would say, yes, let's do that for these people because clearly they need help. Right. So it is, I definitely see it as public health. And also they must be stopped immediately because this is like, it's just creating generations and generations of problems. Gotcha. Um, There's so much with that. (laughs) Yeah, I just want to go ahead because I know know we got to bounce out. Yeah. I just want to make sure how y'all feel? Everybody good? Awesome. I, mean, I don't know. I'm not good no more. Uh-oh. I mean, I don't I don't want the beehive to come from me. I've seen what they can do, but can we talk about Diddy without talking about Jay-Z and Beyonce? Listen. I mean, that's the thing. Beyonce was very Green Academy. What we gonna do, we're gonna keep it real. We we not to say we go up against the beehive, but we st- we stand on truth. And the reason why we street academy is because everything what we say we back up with, especially if we stand on it, it's gonna be backed up with research and, and facts and citations and all of that. So mm. I'm a huge Beyonce fan. I've just admitted to my yesterday that I realized that I am a member of the beehive. And mm. have I I have you know, she was very young when they first started. Like she had to be like 17, 18, 19, whatever. And he was well into his 30s. Uh, well, not well into, he must've been like early 30s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was, I, people have talked about it. It was real. It was on the line though. I think she might've been 18, but it was like super close. And we have those conversations about Foxy Brown. There's ideas that Jay-Z and Foxy Brown did they thing. So it was, uh, yeah. So we got to remember, did we talk about this? Like, we did talk about it. Like when, um, when Lil' Kim did that cover where she had her like legs wide open or whatever, she was like 17, 16, 17. She was I don't think I realized that. She was under age. And when Foxy, absolutely, she had said yeah. that in an interview recently, like she was, and they were pushing her sexuality because she was trying to like do something different, but she was not even 18. I didn't know On that, that when she did that. And at that time, that was like, that was, was big. You look at the picture now, you see the face of a, of a child. Yes, oh, I agree. Goodness. I did not agree. Look at it now, it's like, this is a child. You're right. This is absolutely a child. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I know, I know Jackie gotta go because the, the laptop acting funny right now. Um, but yo pray for it. Yo, yeah. Pray send 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 a prayers and supplication for Jackie's mm-hmm. laptop and her dissertation. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yahweh. Uh all right. But anyway, thank y'all for joining us. It's been another episode of Street Academy Broadcast where we keep one foot in the academy and one foot in the street seats. Follow us at Street Academy Podcast. We got things coming. We still moving. We doing our thing. Love y'all. Peace. All right. So that you know got their feet upon the neck of the haters, the game and the devil like came in.